Happy Easter to you, to you here with us in person, to those up in the fellowship hall, to those online. We have good news. He got up. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 20. We're going to read verses 11 through 18 this morning. Consider these words. As you're turning there and getting situated, I want to take a moment to pray. God, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your goodness and your love. We thank you for your great power on display at the cross and the empty grave. God, as we sit here this morning, as we gather right now, would you do a good work in our hearts? Would you draw us to Christ? May we worship him. May we do so with great joy. For he is not dead. He died, but he is not dead. He is alive, and so is our salvation. God, would you press that on our hearts this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stood, stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Why are you weeping? This question confronts a grieving heart with the implication that weeping is now out of place. It is a question that anticipates a glorious reversal that fuels a gospel announcement and that the reasons for weeping are no more. Therefore, weep no more. We We weep. We weep lots. Since Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden, weeping has carried the night. Sin brought wreckage, and that wreckage reverberates through our bodies, our lives, our relationships, through nations and creation. In the wake of sin, We find death, and in death we weep. 
the night you sat down with your husband to reveal a miscarriage. The doctor's office. When you sit next to your bride of 50 years and learn that there is terminal cancer coursing through her body. The daily chronic battle with physical pain of a body breaking down. The name that sits in your contacts that grieves your heart brings you pain because that relationship has been wrecked beyond repair. The job that provided just enough for your family is no longer yours. The struggle you feel every single morning just to get up because the darkness that blankets your mind and brings anxiety to your heart is so ridiculously oppressive. The uncertainty and insecurity you feel about what comes next in life wants to hide under the covers of apathy because you think it's easier just to not care. The shame of your past sins dogs your soul, paralyzing you from being used by God in someone else's life right now. And the loneliness. Oh, that loneliness. That sense of longing for something yet fearful. And on top of all of that, we are weary of a sinful world, overwhelmed by the sheer brokenness of this fallen place. Racial and political tension and violence make no sense and are such long-standing stains in our nation and our future doesn't look any better. And you don't have the energy to listen to another family member berate you with their political exacerbations. You're worn down. You're threadbare. You're barely holding it together. You're on the verge of weeping. We weep lots. We know And I mean, if we're just going to be honest with ourselves right now, we know all the reasons for weeping. Things are not as they should be, and it hurts. Consider Mary Magdalene with me. Consider the trauma she witnessed. Consider the anguish of her heart. Consider the disillusionment and confusion that blanketed her mind. She saw her Messiah betrayed and brutally beaten. She saw him bleeding and hanging. She saw him cry out and give up his spirit. She saw him taken down and taken away. And she saw her brothers and sisters struggle with this disorienting tragedy. And that's what this weekend was for her and the closest followers of Christ. It was a traumatic 
tragedy. Have you ever experienced something like that? It disorients. You don't know up or down or left or right. Time escapes you. There's overwhelming grief, vulnerability, loss, confusion, anguish, gloom. All of those things overtake your heart. And it can lead to manic or depressive reactions or to both. But it leads to weeping. It leads to weeping. Mary came to that tomb that morning and wasn't expecting to see the tomb open. So she ran. She ran and anxiously, with panic, told the disciples that Jesus' body was taken away. And she returned back to that tomb, weeping, not understanding yet what had happened Only feeling more anguish. You've been there, no? Grieving in such a way that you're unaware of the what's and the who's that are all around you? Mary didn't process the fact that there were two angels in the empty tomb. She just answered them with their question, Why are you weeping? With the same hurried anxiety, she spoke to the disciples about Jesus' body being gone. And Mary didn't process the voice of her risen Savior. She was weeping. The reasons for weeping were no more. That question, why are you weeping, implies that weeping is out of place now. Because Jesus rose again, You and I, we can weep no more. That doesn't mean we're not going to cry. It means we're not going to feel the anguish of a soul left in the dark, unsure of salvation. We can weep no more. Imagine that. No more weeping. The resurrection of Jesus brought about something incredible, something glorious. A a new thing has happened. It has brought about a glorious reversal. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings forth, bursts forth, displaying a glorious reversal. And the reason weeping for weeping is because sin has wrecked everything. That's the reason for the weeping. Sin's wrecked it all. It's why our bodies break down. It's why we break our relationships. It's why we buried loved ones. Sin has wrecked it all. Sin has brought ruin, and this ruin poisons and kills everything. And Jesus' life, His death, His resurrection display the glorious reversal of the disastrous ruin brought on by sin. Weep no more. Specifically, the resurrection shows that the cross is truly a finished work. That sin is fully defeated. That the reversal of ruin has been accomplished. The resurrection puts that on full display. All that occurred on the cross and paid in full has been received. And death has now been defeated. 
This glorious, redemptive reversal is here now. Weep no more. The Bible says that the wages of sin, that is, the due payment for sin, is death. Meaning this, sin brings death, and there is no escaping it. Until Jesus. Jesus dealt with sin, and Jesus dealt with death. First with sin, we find this. He dealt with it at the cross. Colossians 2, 13-14 says this about Christ on that cross. Having forgiven us our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Oh no, He dealt with sin there at the cross. It leads us a question. It leads us to this gnawing, nagging question. How then do we know that the debt has been paid in full when sin's henchman death is still wrecking lives? How do we know sin has been dealt with if it's bully, death is still running around? The resurrection. The resurrection is absolutely necessary it's the first display of the glorious reversal. Consider 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Read that whole chapter sometime today. <laughs> Incredible. But verse 17 speaks to how necessary the resurrection is. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, empty, vain, and you are still in your sin. How do we know the cross accomplishes the defeat over sin? Christ's defeat over death. You catch that? No resurrection means no reversal of sin. It means death is still strong-arming us like the muscle of a mob boss. It means lots more weeping for all of us. But because of the resurrection... There has been a cosmic, redemptive reversal, a great undoing, a victorious triumph, a weep no more new reality. And this new reality, this glorious reversal, changes stuff. It changes the poison and ruin and death of sin. And it comes to us as very good news. This glorious reversal does then an incredible work for us. It brings forth and fuels for us a gospel announcement. This, this resurrection is a glorious reversal that fuels our gospel announcement. And that gospel announcement is one of great redemption and restoration. God has undone what was broken. It is a great undoing, a great reversal. Mary was disoriented by her weeping that she didn't realize or recognize that the risen Savior was speaking with her. And then he said, Mary. The tone of affection from her Savior 
That same voice that brought her out of her sin is the same voice that brought her out of her weeping. The voice of the Savior dispelling the sounds of mourning, the sounds of grief, the sounds of anguish, the sounds of loss, the sounds of despair, the sounds of confusion. The voice that brought good news. Sin is paid for. Death is defeated. Weep. No. More. We know that from John chapter 10 verse 3. That the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. He leads them out of their sin. He leads them out of their weeping. Jesus went on to the cross and into the tomb and up out of the grave and calls us through the gospel and leads us out of our sin wrought weeping. What incredible news. Mary heard that good news and it flooded her heart and when he said Mary, she ran back to the disciples, not in the anguish of anxiety, but in the joy of the gospel, in the joy of good news, announcing, I have seen the Lord. And this glorious reversal and gospel announcement brings life and joy in our lives now. It brings a radical transformation to our weep filled hearts. There is one greater than all of the reasons for our weeping, and he is victorious over the worst of it all, death. Weep no more. Weeping is a very interesting word study to travel down. We find weeping later in the Bible associated with the return of the risen king. When the resurrected king returns, he will bring judgment and restoration. He'll bring both. In terms of judgment, there will be a day that leads to unending weeping. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus said of those who reject him that they will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a terrible place. Utter darkness. Disorienting, manic weeping that will never cease. Oh, friends, I, just, I implore you, do not reject this king. Do not reject this good news. Do not reject this plea of the gospel that all those who cling to Christ through faith will weep no more. To reject is to ask for weeping unending. Yet, it's not the only thing that we see with weeping at the end. In terms of restoration, to all who cling to the king through faith, the glorious reversal is fully realized. At the end, the king 
will come. And as we see in Revelation chapter 21, the king will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. What a glorious end. And that end is guaranteed because Jesus rose again. And we have a glorious hope, one that has no more weeping, no more pain, no more death. Because it has been defeated. As you and I, we have much to weep about in this life. We are faced with sin in our hearts and all around us and its consequences. Yet there is one who has brought about a glorious reversal. And that fuels this gospel announcement of a weep no more good news. That all who look to Christ through faith are just as victorious over the grave as Christ is. Not only that, but to cling to Jesus through faith leads to a glorious day when the weep no more is all we will ever know. Perhaps this Easter you came into the service on the verge of weeping. The challenges and circumstances that are going on in your life are overwhelming and heavy and far too much for you to bear, and you dragged yourself in here as best as you could. And while your nice tie is firmly placed around your neck or your nice dress has been ironed, your life feels like a wreck. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the things that you wrestle with, struggle with, feel overwhelmed by. I don't know. I do know this. When Jesus came bursting forth out of the tomb, glorious hope came with him. A glorious hope that that death, that pain, those reasons to weep don't get the last word. Christ does. And he says your name. He calls you out of your sin and he calls you out of your weeping. And he says there is a glorious sin for you with me. Through the gospel, Christ says, weep no more. I have, de- I have defeated sin. I've conquered death. Come to me. May it be so. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would do that work in our hearts. There's much for us in this life that brings about the compulsion to weep, the brokenness of sin, wrecking our lives, consequences of it all around us. It feels overwhelming at times, and we, like Mary, can feel very disoriented in this life. We need you. We need this glorious reversal to do a radical transformation in our hearts right now that we see in you one victorious over sin and grave and Satan and one who brings about a glorious end in which we will weep no more. God, may we know this. May we know the joy of this. May we know the hope of this. And may it cause our hearts to sing even in the midst of sorrow.
because we have you and you have us. This we pray in Christ's name.